The New Testament reading is from the Gospel according to Luke. It's toward the end of the first chapter, and it is the conclusion of what is referred to as the Song of Zechariah. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist, and he um, receives wisdom and prophecy through the Holy Spirit. Uh, the verses that we'll hear read this morning in the original text in, in the Greek, uh, it's one single sentence, which I think is just fantastic. Um, we hear these words on the lips of Zechariah as he is praising God for what he has been made known of. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. So our Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from the book of the prophet Joshua in the 24th chapter. We'll begin at verse 14 and continue through verse 18. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along the way, all the way that we went and among all the prophets through whom we passed, or the peoples, rather, of whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all of the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. For the past couple of weeks now, uh, our Old Testament readings have dealt 
with the, the Hebrews' journey as they prepared to and then went on to cross the Jordan River from east to west, finally entering into the land, the land that their God had promised to their ancestors. Moses' anointed successor, Joshua, had been divinely commended and was now leading the people. And one of the first things he did was to call the people together in a solemn assembly at which he addressed them in a sort of abbreviated State of the Union address. And then he asked of them whether they were on board with that which he proposed. And what he proposed, of course, was that they would be followers of the Lord, displaying evidence of why he had been chosen to lead the people upon the death of Moses, Joshua speaks plainly, truthfully, and authoritatively. He lays out for them their options. He tells them that they're free to decide for themselves what path they would follow as it pertained to their religious practices. But he also made it clear that that while they were free to decide, as for he and his household, well, they were pledging their allegiance to the Lord God, the God of the ancestors of our people. Well, he was speaking on behalf only of himself and the household which he headed up. He refrained from being a, a proxy for the entirety of the Hebrew nation, allowing them instead individually to discern how they were going to answer this vitally important question that he was putting before them this day. Whom shall you serve? He has set his peace and reminded them of the things that the Lord had done for them. And now well, the ball is with them. It's in the people's court. They can decide. They must decide. Will they go the route of Joshua and be followers of this God who had brought them to the place where they now find themselves? Or will they serve the gods that their ancestors had long ago in faraway lands? Or perhaps the gods who were worshipped by those who had most recently occupied the lands into which they were even now advancing. The, the timing of this particular reading, which is suggested from the Revised Common Lectionary, is um, rather providential, I think, coming as it does in the wake of our national elections this past week, which were public referendums in which the voters uh, let their voices be heard. They can continue to follow down the road that they've been going on by re-electing incumbents, or they, they, if they think time is right for a, for a change, a new course, they can cast their vote for another candidate. Well, this year's results from elections, both local and not so local, are still being spun by all the parties involved, but my point is that the same sort of reckoning uh, 
that took place here last week is now taking place amongst the Israelites. Here's the time to cast your ballot. It's a, a secret ballot, um, and Joshua isn't going to cast it for you. To, to each household, you have to decide for yourselves who you're going to vote for, who you're going to follow, what path you're going to take. At the, from the very outset of the Hebrews' entry into this land of the Amorites, as the author calls it, this land of Canaan, uh, Joshua has been working to get the people uh, on the same page, to get a consensus on a direction. And, and this is both the sign of a, an astute political and or military ruler, as well as of a very competent religious leader, as well. Um, it, where there is no vision, the people perish. So Joshua wants to find out whether the people share his vision of allegiance and obedience to the Lord God, whether they're going to stay or whether they're going to cut bait. Once that's established, he can move on to additional yet subordinate command decisions that he's going to have to make. And this is part of what I hope will come out from the the season of prayer and discernment for Reformation Part 2 here at Rehoboth. Uh, I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, uh, and so I'll revisit it again this morning. Before I do, at our Friday morning men's community Bible study and prayer breakfast, we have recently been reading through the book of Judges as it chronicles the dealings of the Israelites with the other tribes who were resident in the land of Canaan during and in the aftermath of Joshua. So these books, Joshua and Judges, are in many ways complementary. And well, this week we were introduced to a fellow by the name of Gideon. And in his call story, a divinely appointed messenger reminded him of God's history of working on behalf of the Hebrews. Much the same is taking place here in our reading from Joshua this morning. And this isn't the only occurrence in Scripture when the people of God are reminded of what's been done for them. I, I can't help but think that there's a pretty good reason for this repetition throughout Scripture. Namely, we need it. Just as the Israelites in the annals of the Old Testament, we, the people of God in the, area of the, in the era of the New Covenant, we need reminding as well. Individually and collectively, we have pretty short memories far too often. Even when it comes to the Almighty, uh, the faithful might wonder, what have you done for us lately? We wonder that about our friends and our family, and sometimes we wonder this about God. In fact, this morning, as we were watching uh, this episode of The Chosen, uh, a couple of the characters there probably had this very same question on their lips as they were watching Jesus go about his miraculous ministry of prophecy and healing and waiting for his attention to turn to them. What have you done for us? What have you done for me? 
oh God, because I've got a need right now, and I'm waiting on you. Well, much of what God has done for us can be rather obscure, easily overlooked, and hence underappreciated. We take a whole bunch of his blessings, his providence, and his grace for granted all the time, just as we do the freedoms which have been secured and defended for us by generations of veterans who have dedicated themselves to the greater good. We're pretty good at overlooking the blessings that we take for granted. So when we answer the question, what have you done for us? We might begin by answering that question um, with information that includes uh, what Joshua reminded the Hebrews of in their day. What has God done for us? Well, this God has brought us out of Egypt, out of our slavery. He's brought us into this land, and he has been uh, making room for us in this land in the midst of the peoples who already dwell here. We've won some fantastic victories already uh, to clear this space for us. So God has been working with us and for us. In the New Testament, we see how in the story of Zechariah, the Holy Spirit is reminding the listeners of what God has done in the Old Testament. The promises of the Old Testament have been fulfilled, and now the promises of the Old Testament are going to be fulfilled in an even greater way through the work of Jesus as testified to in the New Testament. This babe, John, was but an infant, and yet the Spirit was made, um, the Spirit makes known to Zechariah his life's purpose from that very moment. He was to be a herald of the Most High, proclaiming that in Sending Jesus, this Lord God of Israel, has indeed looked favorably on his people and has, it's the past tense, has redeemed them. Jesus would and indeed he did save us from our enemies and from the hands of all those who hate us. All of these things God has done for us. And it bears remembering that while we're waiting for this or that or the other, he's already been working for our good. Next Sunday, I didn't make this announcement as part of this morning's uh, three or four others, and I probably should have. But next Sunday, uh, we'll be gathering following worship for our annual stewardship soup lunch. Uh, so come hungry next Sunday as well for a plethora of soups. While I haven't looked to next Sunday's sermon, I expect that I will be preaching on a text that has something to do with giving of self, as it is Stewardship Sunday. But I think that this morning's Old Testament reading is providentially a wonderful lead-in to whatever I'm going to say in a week, as what Joshua is here doing with and for the people is taking stock of the nature of their God and the God of their ancestors, 
reflecting on what he has done for them in the past and what he's doing for them in the present. And this then sets the stage for them to make this very important decision that is before them at the polls. What are we going to do in the present? And as two weeks ago on Reformation Sunday, I stood here before you and invited y'all to join with me in this second season of concerted prayer and discernment about the future direction of this church in service to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It occurs to me that the tack which Joshua took at this pivotal moment in the corporate covenant life of his people is not a bad example for us to follow as we intentionally seek to bring our vision of the future witness and ministry of this congregation in alignment with God's will for us here, perhaps we too would be well served by taking a bit of time to reflect on the past and what God's already done and what God's already doing. Our heritage our heritage is an important part of our identity, especially here at Rehoboth with such a long and rich history. It was important for the Israelites as well. As they were getting settled in their new land, they recalled that they were not from here's, but they were all come here's. There are, I think, things we can learn from our past experiences as the body of Christ. It may seem as if we've always been here, but though three centuries is a good long while, our ancestors came here once upon a time from another place, and God's purpose and provision for resettling them here can be instructive even to this day. We like the Israelites in the time of Joshua, are being called to reevaluate our current and our future identities. Knowing the story of where we came from, and how we got here, that's well, important for informing these identities. The what, in terms of dates and times and places in our history, that's part of the equation However, for just as the Israelites are reminded of their heritage as God's people, we too must not forget the how of where we now find ourselves. Yes, indeed. Colonel Stevens, thank you. He'd been granted a charter and allowed, that allowed him to build this grand settlement established here on the colony's southern flank, guarding it from the cantankerous Virginians. And yes, he saw fit to better serve the spiritual needs of his fellow colonists by obtaining for them a well-educated and motivated shepherd of the flocks who would go on to construct this marvelous house of worship dedicated to the God who made all these things possible over 300 years ago. But these folks, important as they were, they were not the ones ultimately responsible for the success of their ventures. 
And that's just what Joshua is bringing to the minds of his fellow Israelites. And through his words in the book which bears his name, this is what he may also do for us, perhaps, as well. So as we hear these words of old once again, may they be made new to us. May the Lord grant us his wisdom, grace, and mercy to lead his people today into the way that he has led his people amongst the generations as his flock. May we too come to confess far be it from us that we should serve any other God but the Lord our God for it is he and it is he alone who has been faithful to his people and his covenant promises. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.